It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's NFL playoffs time, and a number of BYU Cougars will be chasing Super Bowl titles. Where will they be playing? And also, how did the season go for a number of these guys? We'll dig into that on today's show. We'll also talk about BYU and their independent era. One of the bigger wins I think doesn't get talked about enough for the Cougars. Their look back at all 155 independent era games for BYU continues. And of course, we're answering your questions as well. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. So thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedules to join us right here on this podcast. And the goal here, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. Uh, The NFL playoffs are here, and BYU is having a really, really good run right now of NFL guys, former Cougars in the pros, if you will, that are having fantastic seasons that have either wrapped up or will continue on with the playoffs, the wild card round this coming weekend. And I wanted to talk about some of the guys. And first off, the two guys I wanted to talk about right off the top, neither one of their teams are actually going to be playing this weekend. They've both have been eliminated from playoff contention. But it took until the year 2023, I guess, officially 2022 season for BYU to have a thousand yard rusher in the NFL and not only one of them happened two of them happened on the very same day the best two running backs in recent memory for BYU of course Jamal Williams and also Tyler Algier both of them crossing the thousand yard plateau this season Algier finishing his rookie campaign for the uh, Atlanta Falcons with a grand total of 210 carries for 1035 yards average of 4.9 yards per carry and three touchdowns on the season. Meanwhile, Jamal Williams had the best season by far of his career. 262 carries, 1,066 yards, and a Lions team season single season record, 17 touchdowns for Jay Swag Daddy. And it's phenomenal to see both of these guys standing out the way that they are. And that's the thing about this is BYU has been known for putting tight ends, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, quarterbacks, etc. into the NFL. Very rarely has a BYU running back done anything super of note in uh, the NFL. And that's the crazy thing is BYU has two guys who appear to have staying power in the NFL. Now, Jamal has been in the league for a number of years. He has over 3,000 career yards, but he picked up a bevy of those in his first 1,000-yard season this year for Detroit. And we'll see if they ultimately re-sign him or if he looks for his next opportunity. But that's the crazy thing about this is both of these guys are set up to, it looks like, have a pretty good run in the NFL. Make plenty of money to set themselves up, hopefully, for their next season. their next stint or whatever else is going to come up in their life, have plenty of money in that regard. And also just the fact that they have uh, represented BYU on the biggest stage in a big way. There were some people out there on social media earlier uh, this week, I guess on Sunday as well, saying that should BYU rebrand itself as running back you. I wouldn't go necessarily quite that far, but 
It's been a really, really good run of late for BYU's running backs, both at the college level as well as the pro level, because Tyson Williams also has been hanging around the NFL. He had some of his moments with Baltimore. He was called up to the active roster for the Arizona Cardinals in their season finale against the San Francisco 49ers this past weekend. So BYU running backs, that they should excite you. And the crazy thing about this is the next guy on deck is Aiden Robbins. We'll see where Christopher Brooks goes in this year's NFL draft. I think he at best, he's probably an undrafted free agent. But he'll get his shot at the NFL level. But if a guy like Aiden Robbins is is paying attention, he has seen the run that BYU's been on with these running backs. He's got to think, okay, I can add to that list. I can be the next guy coming out of BYU who is a great running back. And the thing about this is Aiden Robbins is more in the mold of a Jamal Williams slash a Tyler Algier, a bigger bodied back, maybe not necessarily top end speed, but plenty effective uh, in the role he was called upon to play at UNLV. And hopefully he can replicate that with the BYU football program. So, yes, RBU, you can argue that if you want, but I wouldn't necessarily go that far quite yet. Now, if BYU has a running back that comes out like a Derrick Henry at some point, then maybe we can talk more about uh, really looking at, okay, is BYU truly RBU? But other guys that stood out this season for BYU included guys like Kyle Van Noy. Of course, Van Noy playing for the Los Angeles Chargers now, his first season in L.A., actually has had his lowest total output of tackles for a season, 46 of them this season, but he finished the season on an absolute hot streak, the regular season is what I should say, with five sacks in five games. And that's a phenomenal run for him to finish up the season with the Chargers. They will obviously be playing on in the playoffs and looking forward to seeing uh, how Van Noy does because he's getting up there. KVN's been around. He's 31 now. He's been around. He's won the two Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. How much more does he have left in the tank and how much more will he be willing to give to make another run at it? Because uh, I just don't see the Chargers necessarily making a run this year. It just doesn't seem like it's their year. But he also has another a teammate of his, a former Cougar in his own right, and Michael Davis, who's having one of his best seasons. Maybe statistically, uh, maybe, okay, if you look at the stats, maybe not his best, but he had 62 total tackles, one sack, one interception, which returned for 30 yards. And Davis, he is maybe the biggest success story as an undrafted free agent out of BYU in recent memory. Many of you will recall, he got benched his senior year at BYU and went to pro day, showed enough on tape that the Chargers said, you know what, let's take a flyer on this guy, bring him in, and he's made good on the bet that the Chargers made on him, and he's made himself plenty of money. I think it wasn't a $60 million deal he signed a couple years back. It was a five-year deal. Phenomenal. Phenomenal story for a guy like Michael Davis and having a good year as well, playing on into the playoffs. Some other guys I need to highlight uh, here include Kairos Tonga. And now, Kairos Tonga, interesting story, because he spent last season uh, playing for the Bears, obviously, and they uh, cut him early on this season. He is brought in as a practice squad guy by the Minnesota Vikings, and then gets activated up to their active roster and never goes back down. Uh, Kyrus was actually one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated defensive tackle at one point in the NFL this season. Kyrus has been absolutely awesome. Similar, uh, not necessarily a completely uh, exact circumstance of a guy like Michael Davis, but he was a seventh round draft pick if I recall correctly for Kyrus. A guy that has made very, very good uh, money so far relative to his draft position. He's 26 years old. Who knows what the future might hold for Kyrus, but the way he played for the Minnesota Vikings, who are also going to be in the playoffs, so the three seed in the NFC playoffs, he's expected to have a, a big role for them, however deep they can go into the playoffs, and that would probably set him up for a contract as a free agent. Maybe he gets re-signed by Minnesota, but this is what you want to see from guys at BYU that are out there in the pro ranks. You want to see them making good on themselves, because that reflects 
positively on the BYU football program and helps the Cougars go out and recruiting because they can say, oh yeah, you see that guy out there, Kairos Tonga? Yeah, you can be the next Kairos Tonga coming out through this program. You can be even better than that. We can make you a better draft pick. He was a seventh round pick and look what he's doing out there. That's the crazy thing about this is there is opportunities up and down the, the board for BYU to use a number of these guys in their recruiting. Uh, Sione Takitaki was off to a phenomenal start for the Cleveland Browns this season. Totaled 71 total tackles. Also had a sack as well as a forced fumble before tearing an ACL in mid-December that ended his season. Uh, he was in the midst of a breakout campaign because he was having by far his best season in an NFL uniform in his fourth year with the Cleveland Browns. Fred Warner, the defensive captain for the the San Francisco 49ers. I am an unabashed 49ers fan. Many of you know that. But Fred has been absolutely phenomenal. 130 total tackles this year. Two sacks. Also one interception and one forced fumble. There is nothing about Fred Warner's game that doesn't say he might be the best linebacker in the NFL. These are the guys that BYU needs to be highlighting when it comes to their recruiting when they go out there. Especially when it comes to breaking into the new recruiting territory in the Big 12. Go and point out the guys that are standing out in the NFL say that guy played at BYU. Yeah, he played at BYU too. He played. He's a Cougar. Come be part of this. Come be part of this brotherhood that is having a great run in the NFL right now. I haven't even, even mentioned guys like Taysom Hill. And now the New England, uh, not New England, the New Orleans Saints didn't have a great season this year. Dennis Allen seemed to make a, a mockery of what was a pretty proud franchise. But regardless, Taysom Hill continues to be that do everything player, the Swiss Army knife that many people expect him to be. He's officially listed as a tight end, but we've seen him a running back. We've seen him at quarterback back. We see him uh, just all over the football field. Gunner on special teams. All that stuff. Taysom is another guy to point to. Obviously the number two overall pick in Zach Wilson. Now, did this year go the way that the NFL, uh, not the NFL, the New York Jets wanted it to go with Zach as their QB1? No, not at all because they actually benched him. And they say that they're going to try and rehabilitate him in a way in this upcoming offseason and get him back to doing what he did. I think is what the term Robert Sala uh, wanted uh, wants to see from him. Who knows what Zach Wilson's going to do. I think that they will obviously be pursuing all options. Speaking of the New York Jets, Zach told reporters that if they do bring a veteran quarterback in, he says his goal is to make it hell on him every single day, push him to the limit to earn his job back. Has Zach had a great season, a gr- two great seasons for in the NFL? No. He's 55.2% completion percentage, 4,022 yards, and a TD to interception ratio of 15 to 18. Now, obviously, some of that can be pointed to and say, okay, that's part of it is the fact that the Jets Jets just haven't necessarily set him up for success. Can he ultimately break out and finally live up to the number two pick billing that he has? I don't know that he can, but uh, I hope he's able to regain some of the composure, some of the the moxie that we saw with him when he was playing at BYU. Because right now, there's a big fat bus label being put on his file. And that, that's disappointing as a Cougar fan to watch that happen. Now, one guy who I think the end is near if it's not coming this offseason is Daniel Sorensen. Obviously, he played with Taysom Hill down there in New Orleans. Had an up and down year, finished with 25 total tackles, had two interceptions, both of those coming in the final three weeks of the season, one against the Browns on Christmas Eve, and then obviously this past week he had one against the Panthers. So a pretty good year for Daniel Sorensen. Now, Sorensen is 32 years old. He's played almost 10 years in the NFL at this point. Uh, He has made great money uh, relative to being an undrafted free agent. I think the end of the run for him is probably close, if not this offseason, maybe uh, grinds out one more year in the NFL. But the nice part is I went down that list, and to a man, every single one of those guys has a great story to tell, and BYU should be highlighting
highlighting all of those stories in their recruiting. That's the thing about this is BYU can point to every single position across the field. Because I didn't even mention guys like Dax Milne, who's a wide receiver with the Washington Commanders, Puka Nakua, who figures to be an NFL draft pick in this year's NFL draft. There are positions all over the field. Brady Christensen, by the way, uh, best wishes to Brady Christensen. I ended up starting at both left guard and left tackle for the Carolina Panthers. Actually had one of the best pass uh, protection marks in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers this year, albeit in a disappointing season for Carolina. Uh, he broke his ankle in the regular season finale. He says he's hoping to avoid surgery and hoping to rehab and be ready to go uh, by next by the, the time the offseason workouts begin, that type of stuff. And we wish him the best in that. But you can go up and down every position in the NFL seemingly and point to an, a guy from BYU right now that the Cougars have developed and put into that league. There were not many years ago we were talking about BYU's inability to get guys into the NFL because it just wasn't a priority for Bronco Mendenhall's staff. And they kind of had set uh, NFL scouts... Uh, not necessarily. How do I say this kindly? They had put off NFL scouts in a way. They made the NFL scouts think that they weren't necessarily the most welcome at BYU. And to Kalani Satake's credit and his staff around him, guys like Jason Ayu, they went and rehabilitated the image of BYU when it comes to the NFL. The NFL scouts now make Provo a destination when they happen to be in the area. For few years there, at the tail end of Bronco Mendenhall's tenure and early on in Kalani Satake's tenure, Provo was considered to be an afterthought. Like, okay, whatever, we don't care. If the guy ends up at the, at the combine out of BYU, we'll take a look then. But they, a, lot of, a lot of teams just kind of crossed Provo off the list, and that, that's a bad thing. You want to have guys get eyeballs from NFL scouts, personnel evaluators, that type of stuff, to give them that opportunity. The nice part is, right now, I know BYU doesn't have the levels of, let's say, a, a top-level SEC or a Big Ten school, and in terms of guys in the NFL, but to a man, I guess in per capita or by weight, whatever you want to use, whatever uh, delineation you want to use, BYU is having a great run with guys in the NFL, all of them contributing at a fairly high level, and that's a very positive thing that BYU can use in the recruiting trail, and they absolutely should lean more into it. And obviously there'll be plenty more graphics, I'm sure, coming from BYU's creative services during the upcoming NFL uh, playoffs as teams advance. I would expect programs, uh, not programs, uh, franchises like the Vikings, the Niners, uh, on down the list to advance and obviously you can play that up if you're the BYU football program so hats off to all of these former Cougars and the pros they're making BYU uh, fans and alumni happy with what they are doing in the NFL and here's to having another good year as they finish out the playoffs here and obviously look he- look ahead to the NFL offseason alright coming up here in just a minute let's uh, move on to some actual BYU football talk look back at one of the better wins in, actual, in BYU football history of their independent era We've been going game by game back through BYU's 2011 season. We're going to talk about Game 7 next. BYU goes to Oregon State and beats the Beavers up there in Corvallis. I think it's a game that gets overlooked for what BYU did in that one. We'll talk about that and also later on in today's show. We'll fit in a few of your guys' questions from a listener mailbag as well as we roll on right here on Locked on Cougars. First, a word on our friends over at Built Bar, my friends. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, that is why you guys need to try our friends over at Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and all of us usually have a goal in the new year to eat better, and I'm trying to do that myself. If you're serious about that, you don't, and you don't want to compromise on taste, then I have got the treat for you, and that is our friend. That's the Built Bar. So give it a shot. Built is an absolutely phenomenal company. The best part is they've got an NIL deal with BYU football, giving all BYU football players spending money and. Also, with the walk-ons, giving them equivalent amount of money to their... 
what, how do you call it? The, the tuition for an up for the upcoming two semesters every single school year. It's a phenomenal thing that Built does. But the best part is, Built, you used to have to go to their website, Built.com, and I would encourage you to still go there because you can save 15% by using the promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. But if going online and waiting for those deliveries to come is not for you, you guys can head to your nearest Smith's or Sam's Club today and pick up your orders right there because they actually have them in stock. That's the best part about that. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, coconut puffs, salted caramel, and brownie batter puffs at your locals, local nearest Smith's. Or if you're near to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. It's a phenomenal way to get your Built Bar fix. The macros on these things are absolutely incredible. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. You will not find a better combination of taste and health and nutrition than you will with Built Bars. Once again, either go to Built.com, stop into your local Smith's and or Sam's Club, and get started with Built Bar today. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and joining us here. Make sure you guys check out our brand new podcast on the Locked On College channel. It's called Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, and everything in between. That's Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's talk about another one of the great games in BYU's independent era because it was a win and it was a very important win, I felt like, early on in BYU's independent era. Now, we've talked about this BYU getting wins in their independent era kind of uh, they they came and went at times but this one was a crazy game we're talking about BYU at Oregon State uh, and this was a game if you many of you recall BYU went to Corvallis and there was a lot of concern because this was before the Pac-12 network was as ubiquitous as, as it was now they were they didn't pick up this game for BYU and Oregon State and BYU fans were absolutely just scrambling to find a way to watch it because I think it was Fox College Sports like a regional channel up there in Oregon was going to be the only outlet to air the game and you have to have like some crazy well at least you had to you had to have some like crazy cable package that literally got everything under the sun to have this game uh, BYU Broadcasting stepped in and got a deal done to broadcast it on KBYU is crazy stuff and BYU went to Corvallis with Riley Nelson in his second start for the BYU football program. And Riley Nelson kind of did what he typically did for the Cougars when he was at the peak of his powers. Passed for a pretty healthy 217 yards, had three touchdowns, and also rushed for 87 yards. And his dual threat ability really opened things up for BYU as they got a 38-28 victory over their first Pac-12 team in their independent era. And this was a phenomenal win, as I mentioned, for BYU because it just really established that BYU could compete with a mid-tier Pac-12 team. And Oregon State wasn't great that season. I think they were one in something when they faced BYU. I've had to write down the record. But still, this is a Pac-12 team who's got thoughts that, okay, this is BYU. We can go out there. We can handle these guys. They're, they've beaten nobody. Who they, have they really played this year for BYU? And obviously the win over Ole Miss to start the season was a very important win for the Cougars as well. But in I think in many people's eyes out here on the West Coast, for BYU to go to Oregon State, also to Ole Miss, suddenly the 2010 
Ten schedule was shaping up a little bit because BYU at that point had won. Speaking of this Oregon State game, they'd won four straight games. They're five and two. They were one game away from getting to bowl eligibility in year one of Independence, and it felt like okay, what else can BYU accomplish this season? And that was the good news for this win for BYU beating Oregon State. And the other thing about this is it was an opportunity for BYU to also just uh, reestablish itself on the West Coast, saying no, no, we're still a power player out here. We're going to be a program that's still going to show up and have fans that show up in droves. The other thing about this is in this game, BYU's rushing attack, which had been absolutely abysmal earlier on this uh, in the season, got rolling. 48 uh, carries for 282 yards in this game. 5.9 yard per carry average. Michael Elisa had 84 yards and a touchdown. J.J. Luigi also added 74 yards and a touchdown of his own. He had the long run of the day, 41 yards. This was a game that BYU really just kind of busted out and uh, took every punch and every, uh, I guess, swing that Oregon State could throw at them because if you look at the Oregon State roster, future NFL guys like Sean Mannion, uh, let's see, also James Rogers on this list, Marcus Wheaton, they had Brandon Cooks on this roster. He had a touchdown in this game, three uh, three catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they, Marcus Wheaton was on this roster. There were a number of guys, if you go down this roster for Oregon State, who were future NFL guys, and BYU went toe-to-toe with them and beat up on them. And that was the good news for BYU and all of a sudden, it felt like I remember watching this game and thinking, okay, BYU's now 5-2. and two. They got through the early part of the season where they stumbled a bit against Texas and Utah. Now they've won four straight. They're 5-2. and two. BYU's all but assured of going to a bowl game because they were such illustrious teams still on that schedule like Idaho and other teams. Uh, Lightweights. Let's see else who was on there. Idaho State was still on there. The New Mexico State. They also had a road game at Hawaii coming up at the end of the season. Like essentially, you're like, okay, they're going to 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 a bowl. But at 5-2, and two, just past the halfway point of the season, with those lightweight teams still to come, what were the chances BYU could run the table here? Obviously, we'll talk about TCU here in a couple of days, and that debacle uh, as, B, as TCU, by the way, uh, on the... Wow, what a what a beatdown uh, Georgia delivered last night, and kind of a snoozer. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I kind of stepped away at halftime because I was like, all right, well, this game's over, and congrats to Georgia, back-to-back national cha- championships, uh, the first time since Alabama did it in 2011 and 2012 uh, to win back-to-back national titles. We'll see if they can go for that three-peat next year. But regardless, the getting back to the original point, this was a solid win for BYU in 2011 because I think it, it meant that BYU was, hey, there's still a team that the Pac-12 is going to have to deal with for years to come. We all know that uh, there was going to be a season to come as we go through this. It's, it's a few months off at least. The BYU go 5-0 and against the Pac-12. We all know that. It just... This was a win that I think really said, okay, BYU can still compete with the Pac-12, and they will continue to do so as an independent team. And as we continue on, we'll talk about Idaho State, the first FCS game of the independent era for BYU on tomorrow's show. But you can go back through each one of these games, and especially in this season in 2011, and as our, our good friend David out there, uh, David, if you're watching this, I know you, you don't necessarily maybe want my name, you want your name out there, last name, I guess, to identify you, but as you mentioned this, you think the 2011 season for BYU might be the most underrated of all the independent seasons for BYU because of just the fact of how it ended up. But we'll talk about that as we roll on here. All right, uh, final word. We'll go to a couple of questions as we roll on in today's show uh, to you guys getting some of your questions answered in a mailbag as we close out this podcast. First, let's get a word in our friend in on our friends over at UCCU. Of course, UCCU is offering you a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.0 
0%, my friends. The best part is during that 15-month period, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. I don't need, uh, mean to be the bearer of bad news, but we all know that interest rates and inflation are both on the rise. This is where UCCU is coming in to help you guys use these savings certificates to save more money and get more money back into your pocket with that 15-month savings certificate. The 4.00% APY return is higher than any yield of a traditional banking, uh, not banking, a savings and or checking account. So give it a shot, my friends. These savings certificates are really simple to open. The best part is they can be done for as little as $500, making it a really simple option for big savers and small savers alike. The best part is if that 15 months and the 4.00% APY isn't what you're looking for, they have got a variety of term options to match your needs. All you got to do is stop into any one of the UCCU uh, branches out there along the Wasatch Front. Give them a call or go to uccu.com and you can learn more now. Get started on that right away. And the best part is UCCU makes it as simple as they possibly can be because I can assure you of that because I've worked with UCCU my entire life. They are my still my preferred uh, banking institution. Most of my accounts are still with UCCU. So give them a shot. That's once again a 15-month savings certificate with incredibly high APY of 4.00%. But remember, this is only available for a limited amount of time. So get on it today. Go to uccu.com to learn more and get started on that savings certificate today. That's our friends over at UCCU. Love where you bank. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Uh, thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making us a part of your Tuesday or whenever you happen to be watching this. I usually have been posting these a little earlier on at night. I figure, you know what, once they're done, there's no reason to hold on to them and put them under embargo and make you guys wait for them. I'm just going to put them out. Throw them out on the internet uh, via regular podcast channel feeds or uh, also on YouTube. And thank you for your support. It really does mean the world to me. All right. Uh, a couple of questions as we round out uh, today's show. I wanted to get in real quick. Uh, first one, uh, Brandon, uh, excuse me, no, I apologize. I, I read the wrong one there. Josh Glenn says, have there been any talks or plans for new slash updated facilities as BYU moves into the Big 12? He says, the understanding that BYU have one of, if not the largest stadium uh, capacity-wise in the new Big 12, there's certainly room to improve auxiliary football and other sports facilities. Now, Josh, I don't know of anything uh, like that's going to be announced uh, July 1 when BYU enters the Big 12. It would be phenomenal if they did announce something like that. But I can tell you this much. There are plans for BYU to use the money that they will get from these new payouts from the Big 12 to do a lot of things. I think that the Smith Fieldhouse absolutely needs to be torn down and rebuilt. It's been around for decades. It's a great venue. Trust me, it's a great venue, but it is just not a, 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 a great building for what its intended usage is for. I would love nothing more than to see BYU Athletics get its own kind of campus built around uh, some of the facilities, uh, maybe expand a student-athlete building built a BYU football specific type building, a practice facility, that type of a deal. 
for BYU football on its own. Those are probably years, if not a decade away for BYU. But those are my hopes is that BYU can invest this money wisely and build up their facilities. Make them as nice as you possibly can. Could a facelift be in order for Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Maybe so. Could they obviously do some updates to the indoor practice facility, do some things at the student-athlete building? There are a number of things they could do. They have obviously done a great job with BYU's locker room inside the SAB down there in Provo, but I, I'm with you, Josh. I think that they have plans. They probably haven't divulged them. At least I am unaware of them divulging any plans to upgrade these facilities, but I think as those checks start to roll in, the $30, $40, 50000000 million that BYU will be receiving annually from the Big 12, well, guess what? BYU can only do so much before having to reinvest it in their athletic department, and I would hope that it pays off with some of the better facilities and also some new facilities also being built up. All right, one final question. Jake Smith reached out with this question. Jake, I know this is a mute point, a moot point at this point, but could you help shed some light on why BYU didn't offer Isaac or Bobby Terrell from Lehigh High School? I've watched this kid play. He's one of the best defensive ends I've seen in a long time. It blows my mind that we let him leave the state of Utah. Now, Jake, uh, I'm going to answer this as simply as I possibly can. Bobby Terrell or Isaac Terrell, depending on how you know him from Lehigh High School, didn't fit Ed Lamb's asinine measurement requirements. Yes, that's what that's what it was. It didn't come down to was whatever it was tall enough wingspan. I, I don't know what it was, but he did not fit the requirements that Ed Lamb supposedly had for BYU's defensive ends, and that seems completely uh, just just as I said asinine for them to think that a guy that's that productive at a high level in football, a two-time state champion, a guy who wrestled, if I recall correctly, just he's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, his height be be darned. I, I'm I'm not I'm gonna try and avoid really cussing all that. Heavy heavily on the, on the show but the fact that you can't take a guy like that a football player that's one thing about this get football players BYU took way too many projects in recruiting, especially along the defensive line, and they're going to pay that price early on in the Big 12 era. There's only so much that Sione Pua, uh, Kelly Papinga, Jay Hill can do to counteract the the damage done. But BYU's project-heavy defensive line room that they have right now, but they'll try to make do with what they can do. Obviously, they'll look in the transfer portal. Uh, They brought in another uh, preferred walk-on from Weber State, uh, their second-leading sack artist this past season, but he'll be a preferred walk-on, so I'm not necessarily expecting much from him, so a guy like Bobby Terrell, absolutely. If BYU had their head on straight, they would have absolutely recruited him in my mind. But I don't know. It, maybe there were other things out there. But what I was told is the the reason why I, at least the, the, a person that I trust when it comes to Bobby Terrell told me that he didn't measure up to what BYU's expectations for their defensive ends are, whether that's height, wingspan, weight, speed, strength numbers, whatever it was. It didn't match up. But in my mind, Go get football players. Projects are nice, but get proven talent on the football field and make do with what they're capable of doing. Bobby Terrell, as you mentioned, Jake, should have never left this state. But the fact that he's, he is leaving the state, it, it's it's an indictment, especially on BYU, but also an indictment on the other programs in the state. Why didn't any of them take a flyer on this kid? But regardless, that was a miss and a whiff for BYU. And hopefully stuff like that is a thing of the past with guys like Jay Hill running the show in Provo. All right. 
There you go. We'll get to more of these questions as they come in this week. If you want to get an early start on this week's actual mailbag edition, we do those on Thursdays typically. You can send us a note, lockedonbyu at gmail.com, or drop us a note via social media, Twitter, LockedOnCougars, Facebook, Instagram, also the same handle. Drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you guys there. You can DM them, send them in just via a tweet, whatever you want to do. Just send them in now, and we'll get to those later on in the week. All right, that's going to do it for us. A big thank you once again for you guys' support of the podcast, as always, and thank you for making us your first listen to the day. want to encourage you guys now to make your second listen. Our friends over Locked on Big 12 trying to make sense of a TCU loss in the national championship in just absolutely stunning fashion. Luck ran out in no no uncertain terms. The the Cinderella's pumpkin, uh, the midnight, whatever you want, to, whatever terminology you want to use. Locked on Big Twelve and Josh Neighbors trying to make sense of that on the Locked on Big Twelve podcast. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcast. Also on YouTube. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.